I would like to welcome all of you to my state, Arizona, or as we like to refer to it, a solar lake will be gone. <laughs> I think all of you should be delighted to know that the temperature out there now is about 103, 104. It's dropped a lot since you got here. Um, just think about it. Aren't all of you young people just thrilled to death that your mother made you pack that sweater for those cool evenings, huh? Aren't you glad? I don't think I'm being dramatic at all when I tell you that this weekend is going to change your entire lives. For four days, you are going to be mixing with people who are very ordinary, who have done extraordinary things with their lives. And here's the part that you're absolutely not going to believe. All the while, you 400 young people are sitting out there hoping there is something of us in you. We are all sitting here hoping that there's still something of you in us. Now, you're probably sitting out there thinking, oh, come on, lady. I mean, what, what, what's so special about us that you'd want to hang on to? Well, to begin with your optimism, we still want to believe that all things are possible. I would like to be like my son, who at his college graduation a few years ago heard a commencement speaker say, you can climb every mountain, ford every stream, travel every highway till you find your dream. It didn't matter that he couldn't find his car in the parking lot. <laughs> the kid bought it. We also hope that we have a little bit of your innocence. I'd like to be like my daughter who just bought a car with 125,000 miles on it. But, hey, it's a classic. The only person who should own that car is Oral Roberts. But mostly, we covet your enthusiasm. You still see a mountain out there and you say, hey, let's do it, let's climb it. I see a mountain and I say, wait a minute, is there valet parking? <laughs> I was invited to my very first Salute to Excellence Weekend in Owensboro, Kentucky in 1978. And I must tell you, I was very uncomfortable. Had no idea why I was there. I certainly didn't belong there with a lot of Nobel and Pulitzer Prize winners. I mean, the kids expected to hear about success. What is it? How to get it? And how to hang on to it? And what had I done? I mean, I was a 50-year-old housewife who at the age of 37 said, I don't want to burp Tupperware anymore. So I decided to become a humorist. I didn't probe the unknown or make important social statements. I wrote about the mundane things that everyone knew about. A son with an aquarium that caught fire. <laughs> A 
uh, daughter who is listed in the Guinness Book of Records for writing 208 checks in one week <laughs> under $2. without recording one of them. <laughs> or a son who bought a $50 cashmere sweater for some airhead he'd known for two weeks and gave me a meat thermometer for Mother's Day. <laughs> now I ask you, was that success? Well, I did, I did a lot more listening at these seminars than the kids did, and, and I learned a lot. I learned that there was only one group more frightened of the future than all the young people out there, and that was the speakers. Most of us run scared. Uh, we're afraid that the next book won't measure up to the one before. Uh, we're afraid that the voice will go or that uh, the political job will go with the next election. And I learned that most successful people learn more from their failures than they did their triumphs. In fact, I learned a very important lesson last year. Uh, you weren't there, you don't know about it. It was in Washington, D.C., okay? And during the course of the evening, the big evening, I'm talking about the last one, there was a major plumbing problem. <laughs> problem. I mean, the whole roof. I mean, it was just leaking like a sieve. Keep in mind that huddled in the lobby were four Nobel Prize winners, leading actor, a man who had broken the sound barrier, an Academy Award-winning actress, seven best-selling authors, three legendary sports figures, a leading doctor, a senator, two generals, and a boxing champion of the world, an Olympic gold medalist, four astronauts, a country western singer, and opera star, a former ambassador, a world-famous artist, one of the all-time great filmmakers in Hollywood, and a man who had walked on the moon. We would have traded all of them for a plumber. <laughs> After that night, I began to feel a little bit better about myself. And I thought, I'm not going to measure what I do in terms of leaving the Carson show early or selling vowels on Wheel of Fortune. Something better than that. Again, may I welcome you to our state. We're delighted to have you and the sponsors and the guests here. As Mark Russell once said of Arizona, you're looking at 32,000 square miles of kitty litter. And, um, whatever. And on Saturday, you are going to view the pick of this litter box. It's called the Grand Canyon. And I never experienced the canyon, but I don't remember, this is my final story, that I don't remember uh, a time on Good Morning America, uh, there was a young man I was interviewing, and we sat there, and our feet were dangling over the edge of the canyon, and I asked him to describe it for me, and he said it was a vast expanse of shadows and sunlight playing on large rocks that had been carved out of water and unsettled by the shifting of the earth. He said that animals scurried along the floor of the canyon and birds soared above it, and a kaleidoscope of colors just danced on the rocks. 
That wasn't a bad description for a kid who had been blind since birth. He, he was one of the most successful men I have ever known. I will let all of you figure out the reason why. Thank you for coming.